This is the Vet Alumni Podcast with Tech and Prime. Vet Alumni Podcast. I'm Tech. He's Prim, music producers talking Philly sports, and this is a very special Sixers wrap-up show as we welcome in NBC Sports Philadelphia's Noah Levick to the vet line when we enter the center. But we start with yesterday's announcement, the great Mark Zumoff is retiring after 27 years as the television voice of the 76ers, and I, for one, am devastated, Prem. It's a big, it's a big piece of news. It uh, is. This is a guy that a lot of us, in terms of watching the Sixers on television, we've only known his voice. His voice. Uh, much like with Harry Callis, with the Phillies for uh, decades, um, Mark Zumov will be missed. Absolutely. I just can't imagine. It took me a while to warm up to Tom McCarthy to the point where now. You know, I I can't imagine a Phillies game without Tom McCarthy. Yeah, he's the guy now. I mean, it's been a decade or more. It at this did point. take yeah. a while to fully accept Tom McCarthy. At yeah. first, it was like a foreign right. situation. Right. Who is this guy? Who is this what, guy? Who, who, what is this voice I'm hearing on the on the Phillies game? Yeah, it's going to be like that with the Sixers. It truly is. And I'm excited to hear what Noah has to say about the Sixers' debacle against the Hawks. Oh yeah, because you know we're going to talk about it. Um, but in true vet alumni fashion, it's time now to present a tribute to the great Mark Zumoff. We're going to miss him. Andre Iguodala for the lead. Yes! Oh, yes! Pause for the tie. Yes! <laughs> yes! And a foul! J.J. Redick. Here's Allen for the tie. Yes! Iverson for three. Yeah! Oh, he banked it in. Allen Iverson. Turner rolling in. Get in there. Yes! <laughs> Going for the win. Yeah! Oh, yeah! Reddick, can he get it off? He does for three. Yeah! <laughs> Reddick, another three. Simmons rolling in. Yes! 
Iverson behind the back, Bradley, who stands for two! Iverson for three, yes! Iverson, top shot, and down he goes! Wow, what a play by Allen! Hang on, Oliver, coming in for a landing. From the Vet Alumni Podcast, thank you, Mark Zuloff. Gave me chills there, some of those calls, Brad. Man, that is just, it just sums it up. Sums it My up. personal favorite was the 106 to 104 win where Iverson hit the game winner from the free throw line about against the Pacers. Yeah, tremendous. That was my favorite one. And it was a great call by Zoo. Ugh. All right, brought to you by Proline Music. Everything for the musician. It's time for Vet Fact. This is a Vet Fact. Well, Tech. On June 30th, 1987, the Pittsburgh Pirates brought their 33-42 record to the vet to play the 35-38 and 38 Phillies. And the <laughs> Phillies would win 6-4 to four, uh, in a game that they actually put up three in the first inning, actually led 5-0, almost blew it in the ninth inning. However, they held on and got the win. Juan Samuel, two for four with an RBI. Again, Juan Samuel. Juan back Samuel. to back weeks. Juan Samuel. And that was a jack. That was a jack right there. Mike Schmidt had a big game with two RBIs, hitting 290 on the season at that point. June 30th, 1987, Kevin Gross got the win for the Phillies. Ah, Kevin Gross. I do remember him. I have an old 86 Tops card of Kevin <laughs> Gross somewhere in a shoebox. Somewhere. Uh, all right. Well, the Phillies, Prem, uh, they split the four-game series with the Mets, which under normal circumstances uh, would be a good thing. But this should have been a sweep in what I'd consider the most important and the most pivotal series of the season against this Mets team. Absolutely. Well, when you think about it, that's a four-game series. You're right. It should have been a sweep because two of those losses were walk-offs. Walk-offs. They were walk-offs, which is inexcusable. Uh. They would have been one game back of the division lead. A golden opportunity blown. Big time, because now you have Miami. Um, This team with 12 games left till the All-Star break, but some tough teams on the schedule. San Diego, Boston, Chicago. Unless they go 10-2, which is not going to happen. I don't think we're going to see a Phillies record above 500 for the rest of the season. If I had to be a betting man on that. (laughs) And they might not win 80 games. I mean, the bullpen is so horribly bad. I think... We talked about this off the air. 21 blown saves so far. Man. 25 is the major league record for 162 games. And oh, they're on pace. They're, they're going to they're they're break that record. 40. <laughs> yeah. On pace for 40 of them. I mean, it's, it's really sad um, how it's all transpired with the Phils. I'm also bothered by something else, Prem. Uh, Bryce Harper, he quit on this team over the weekend after he was hit by a pitch. And, and I say hit very loosely. A one-hopper off the dirt hit his shin, which in Major League Baseball is fairly routine, would you say? It is. I mean, you know, uh, Bryce is battling multiple injuries. He probably still is not 100% from the shoulder and the back. I'm sure the back, that's something that always bothers you. Um, But it's very disconcerting to see your $330 million man leave because of a small shin contusion. Take himself out of the game. He took himself out of the game, and then he sat out the next day. Yeah, it's 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 kind of troubling. Um, this is a it's guy a culture that, issue. Well, this is a guy that has really embraced Philly and embraced what we're well, all about. Well, that's true. All the rah rah is nice and all, but what's the locker room like? Because I know he left Washington and they won a World Series the very next season. So ironic how that happened. Is it or is it a culture thing? Is he not providing 
a winning vibe. Here's how I look at this with the fills. I don't put as much onus on Bryce as you do because, like we just said a second ago... Well, I'm, I'm a Bryce apologist. I'm all, I feel like I'm always defending him when, when people say he's not living up to his contract. But it, yeah. it, it, I snapped but we, when we I hit, saw him We hit on what the problem is. We hit on what the problem is. They've done enough to win an additional 20 games when you think about it. True. So maybe if under normal circumstances, if you're not blowing 21 saves, most teams are maybe blowing five of those. Five, yeah. Five to eight of those. So if you take those additional 12 wins and put them on our record, whole different narrative on Bryce Harper, whole different narrative on Joe Girardi, because this team will be sitting with 40-plus wins right now atop the division. Yeah. Look, I still think it's a culture thing. It's not. This isn't Bryce Harper's fault. I, it, I just snapped when I saw him take himself out of the game. Yeah. But, yeah. uh... Nick Pavetta, okay, who's been great with the Red Sox this year. He has been when he very was, good. When he was asked about the difference between the Phillies and the Red Sox, he said now he feels like he's with a team that knows how to win. Not good. Not good for us because that's pretty obviously a subliminal hit. You know, like if you go on Twitter, Facebook, we all, we've all done it. You know, you put something vague up, but you know who it's for. Oh, yeah. That was Pavetta's way to say, hey— Screw you guys! I'm here, and I'm yeah, because they didn't single after they. They basically said, "What was the difference between you last year and you?" It was one of those exactly kind of questions. Exactly, right. they, they framed it well for him. They lined it up, and he knocked it down. Right, uh, which leads me to Joe Girardi, Prem. I'm gonna go in the moment here. In the moment, Joe Girardi is the worst manager in baseball. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, right this second. The Pirates only have 29 wins. They're pretty bad. Um, Kansas City's not too good. I Listen, get I, I will say in your defense, in your this defense. This is Joe Girardi, though. We were so hyped. He's supposed to bring a certain level with him, a certain upper echelon. I know. I, the thing about baseball that's just so different from all the other sports is the manager. It's the only sport where you have a manager and not a coach. Let me say that. And the manager, it's like any other manager in a retail store, any type of setting like that. You're working with the employees you got. And, well, and clearly, Joe Girardi don't got the right employees coming out the pen between innings six through nine. But you know? let's not discount his continued mismanagement of the bullpen. It has been pretty bad. He hasn't helped them. Let's say that. He hasn't really helped them in those situations. Putting David Hale in the game, in a close game. I was at that game. I was uh, at the 13-12 game last week right. um, where we had uh, we hit a grand slam. Cut you to grand slam. You're up 9-5. to five. The yeah, place is great. rocking. It was rocking. But then the Nats hit a grand slam the next top half of the <laughs> inning. I've never seen that in my entire life. No, probably. no one has. <laughs> back-to-back grand slams and back-to-back half innings. I've never seen that. No one saw Remarkable. that. Remarkable. Uh, putting Hector Neris in, in the close games and allowing him to blow it. Um, Hector. He's blown, what, six, seven saves this year? I think it's seven. Um, and his ERA yeah. has climbed. His ERA has climbed. He's not a closer. But I, I only would have taken two. He would have blown one. I would have said, listen, you're my guy. I got confidence in you. I would have given him another shot. He would have blew another one. And that would have been it. Yeah, Hector's a seventh inning guy to me. Girardi's supposed to be a baseball guy. He he's is. making He's making all his decisions based on a computer printout, based on analytics. Yeah, he's not making baseball when decisions. We, when, we, when they hired him and we were talking about Girardi, you know, in our regular conversations, one thing I always thought it would be with him is a good balance of baseball right. decisions, like, you know, traditional baseball managing, and a balance of that with analytics, not all one or the other. Because you, at this point in the game, you cannot have all one or the other. No. It has to be a nice balance and meshing of both. 
he's sitting there claiming guys in the bullpen that that should be available. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And that's what <laughs> what I'm getting at is that's why like teams like the Rays are so good because they balance traditional baseball with analytics very well. The Astros, these teams do that well. They do both. Right. I I, I agree with you. Um, the front office finds it perfectly acceptable to have this losing culture, a culture of losers. It's very surprising. Um, you know, the, the culture was supposed to change with Girardi. Uh, I've never been more disappointed in any coach or manager in my life. That's pretty than extreme. Joe Girardi. That's pretty extreme. I, I'm trying. I'm trying you to think of another one because your excitement level and your expectation yeah, at level least was Chip so Kelly, high. We, he delivered when he first got here. It you was were exciting. A chip guy. You were a chip guy. He, he was exciting. He was. He was he exciting was. right from the gate, and he and he delivered. And ten and six right out the shoot. Yeah. Joe Girardi yeah. has not won anything here. He no. has not been a winner at no, all. No, he has not. He has not. And you know. There's a lot of baseball left still. I know. I knew you were going to say that. I know. I have to say it because in baseball, I'm not. I don't think this is going to happen. But any team at any point can rip off a 15 and five stretch and just get hot. True. And they have the lineup to get hot in spite of their pitching. They do. If these guys get hot at the same time, if Reese turns it on, JT turns it on, Bryce, Bohm, McCutcheon, these guys really truly can score six, seven, eight runs with ease. Yeah. And they could do it for a 10 game stretch. I don't personally think it's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think they can. Do I don't that. think it's going to happen because pitch, you're going to hit a good pitcher in that mix, too. Speaking of pitchers, Spencer Howard's now off the Major League roster, finally. They want him to be a starter, though. They're, they want him to go He's to AAA. He's a relief pitcher, and everyone knows it except the except Phillies. Except for them. Well, they're, they're, I think they're just stubborn because of what their scouts had initially wanted them to take Spencer Howard for, which was to be a starter. Right. So they're just being stubborn. They want him to pitch every five days in AAA. Now, this kid, if he's going to be a Major League starter anytime soon, he should be dominating in AAA. Yeah. We're well, close to it. We'll see if that... I'm going to be looking closely to see what Now they're saying, oh, this is a 2022 thing. Yeah, what happened in, in 2020? It was like, oh, it's a 2021 thing. I know, I know. Uh, here we go. The story changes. Um, I have a message to all our loyal listeners and to Phillies fans everywhere. And that is to stay away from Citizens Bank Park. <laughs> don't buy tickets. Don't tailgate. Don't support this team at all whatsoever. Because the only thing this organization understands is money. With Middleton, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Clearly. Well, I went to one game. I know uh, you did. Yeah, I man. wanted to go to one game, but I know what's best. And, and what's best is that I stay away and that I encourage everyone else to stay away. You're really unhappy the about ballpark. the Phils. Yeah, you're really unhappy about the Phils. It's time to... You know, we... Drastic measures. Drastic measures. Drastic measures. All right, we got a big show this week. The vet line is on fire. Oh, absolutely on fire. Matt O'Donnell, Action News, checking in with us. That's tremendous. It really is. Matt Mullen, Philly Voice, checking back in with ah, us. Ah, my boy Matt. And we're excited to hear what these guys got to say. But we start off the Sixers wrap-up show in style as we enter the center with NBC Sports Philadelphia's Noah Levick. Next. Pro-Line Music. Pro-Line Music. Located at 490 Lincoln Highway in Fairless Hills, PA. Pro-Line Music. Everything for the musician. Carrying all major brands. You find a better price, we'll beat it. Offering lessons in person or virtual. On-site repair service center. Rentals. Recording studio. Pro-Line Music. Call 215-736-8055. One more time. 215-736-8055. Yes, sir. Pro-Line Music. Pro-Line Music. Pro-Line Music. Everything for the musician. Enter the center. Yes! And the Sixers win it! With Tech and Prem. We score! Bang, bang, and the 
Vet Alumni. Joined now on the Vet Line by Noah Levick. He covers the Sixers for NBC Sports Philadelphia, and he's a member of the Pro Hoops Writers Association. Noah, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Definitely. So we're still kind of shell-shocked from the fact that a number one seed <laughs> lost to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, we're trying to diagnose uh, with our guest what happened. What is your take on what happened in that series? Uh, I think a lot of things had to go wrong um, for the number one seed. Yeah, to lose three games at Wells Fargo Center where <laughs> they've historically been great over the last few seasons. Ben Simmons obviously has taken a lot of heat, and I think that's mostly fair. Uh, you know, shooting about 34% from the foul line in Horrendous. the playoffs, oh. and it was obvious that his uh, hesitancy about the prospect of taking free throws also impacted his general offensive aggression. I think Doc Rivers also deserves a, a fair amount of blame. Yeah. Uh, continuing to go 10 deep, continuing yeah. to squeeze, try to squeeze productive minutes out of Dwight Howard. Yep. And that didn't uh, end up working out for the Sixers. And Joel Embiid's right meniscus tear obviously hindered him uh, in critical moments, uh, despite him being excellent at times. You know, I think the game four in Atlanta where he, he had the horrific uh, second half oh, and eight turnovers in game six and seven. Uh, you can even look at in game seven, the Sixers committing a lot of just head-scratching transition turnovers yep. and Tobias Harris shooting eight for 24 in that game. So oh. I think we could go on and on. I think Absolutely. Uh, the long and short of it is they blew a golden opportunity to the Eastern Conference finalists. Uh, blew some big leads and just overall uh, they had a really nice path uh, laid out for themselves that to their credit they created you know they earned yeah, the number one seed I can't get over uh, they earned home court advantage and that home court advantage uh, is not something that they could ultimately capitalize on which I think is understandably uh, very disappointing to a lot of fans I'll never get over this yeah it's it's ironically a lot like a lot of Philadelphia stories with our teams you know with the exception of the 08 Phillies and the 17 Eagles I mean every other season has kind of ended in that fashion and when you think about the fact that Ben Simmons was shooting 35% I mean I think it's safe to say Noah that me or you could probably step up to the free throw line and hit 5 of 10 right (laughs) (laughs) I mean I don't know yeah Um, (laughs) you would think you would think it's it's different when the spotlight is on and true he acknowledged that it was a mental issue you know his form is not great and has never been great but the reality is before the all-star break he was at 67 percent from the foul line and it yeah. looked like he was at least mm-hmm. he was at least making incremental improvement there and then yeah i didn't dream it i know he improved and yeah. in in the postseason uh, obviously disastrous when the pressure was on so uh yeah just kind of crazy to think that even with all all his flaws as an offensive player 
if he'd just been something close to what he was during the regular season, the Sixers would would probably be in the Eastern Conference Finals right now. It's 100% true. I mean, you touched on a lot of the things we had already thought about, and you just reinforced those things. Um, Changing gears now, a voice that we all grew up loving, and and just you can't really imagine watching Sixers basketball without hearing Mark Zumov, obviously retiring. What did he mean for you um, as a young fan, and also with your uh, sports career as well? Yeah, I think as a fan, uh, Zumoff made every game feel like a big deal, even if you were watching a mediocre team or, or a right. tanking team. Exactly. Uh, that's part of what made him special, the, the passion and the knowledge uh, that came through preparing for every game like it was important, even if the reality is the team that he was calling wasn't very good. And then, yeah, professionally, uh, just such a kind, positive presence, and it always meant a lot to me personally when he would, you know, share a good word or just just say hi, and uh, you're coming into contact with a legend um, when you're talking with Mark Zumoff. So it was very cool for a few years for me personally, um, getting to, you know, come across him, you know, as, as someone covering the team. But um, I will say, I think it's great that he went out uh, still doing his craft at an incredibly high level. Yeah, I think both players and people, you know, in all professions, um, it's unfortunate when you see someone go out and they're kind of on the decline. And that was very much not due. Uh, He was still awesome at his job. And uh, yeah, he'll he'll get to move on to the new chapter in his life. And whoever uh, takes that role will have impossibly large shoes to fill for sure. So true. Much like uh, filling in for Harry Callis. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. very much the same in my opinion, definitely. Absolutely. All right, Noah, let's hit up the trade machine. Uh, <laughs> who would be the best trade partner or partners uh, for Ben Simmons? And what might that package look like? Yeah, tough to know at this stage. Uh, part of what, what makes it difficult for the Sixers is the reality is Simmons's value right now is at an all-time low, and his failures were something that everyone around the NBA was watching. So uh, that makes it, I think, a little difficult to analyze right now. I think the name that is hot or the franchise that a lot of people are scrutinizing is Portland Trailblazers yes. and Damian Lillard. Oh, yeah. Uh, you figure that if Lillard ultimately does uh, decide that he wants to move elsewhere, that would be a massive James Harden-like call that would be requested from the Blazers, uh, given you're talking about a truly great offensive player uh, who is still in his prime and uh, has, you know, four years left on his contract. Uh, so I, I think that's intriguing to think about for the Sixers, just exactly what uh, in a hypothetical Lillard deal they'd be willing to give up. I think you're probably looking at the Trailblazers wanting players such as a Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thybul, draft picks, and then Ben Simmons perhaps appeals to them as someone who has untapped potential, still at just 24 years old, and could shore up their defense, uh, which has been one of their issues these past few years. And then CJ McCollum, to me, is also a really interesting name to consider from the Blazers. Uh, Obviously, a Lehigh product. Um, And yeah, I think he, you know, at least on paper would make some sense for the Sixers as a guy who shot 40% from long range this year on nine attempts per game, 
uh, can create his own shot some, can play backup point guard, uh, and True. can at least help uh, in terms of complementing Joel Embiid offensively. Um, but yeah, there are a bunch of, a bunch of teams that I'm sure have been and will be thrown out there. I know the Timberwolves, there was some, some buzz about I saw that. Uh, yeah. Minnesota, which uh, it's a little harder for me to see. Well, would, exactly. you do, would you do a, a swap straight up for D'Angelo Russell? Uh, no, I don't. I don't you think would. So. No, I mean, I, I think his wow. value dropped a bit. Yeah, this you, you gotta, of course, gauge what's what's out there, and I guess perhaps that's the best thing on the table. If that's the best thing on the table, I, I would think the Sixers might be best suited just moving forward with Ben Simmons and and hoping he's able to make some skill development strides this off season. But no, I mean. This guy was the runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year and is a versatile, all-world defender. And also, despite the half-court offense woes, still very valuable for the Sixers in terms of sparking their transition game and being brilliant uh, in that aspect of the game. So, uh, no, to me, D'Angelo Russell, I I think you'd hope for a little bit more um, if, if you're parting with Ben Simmons. Okay. Uh, Daryl Morey, he failed us at the trade deadline. Personally, I think Tony Bradley would have been more valuable in the playoffs, especially with Embiid not 100%. Uh, At the end of the day, Noah, do you believe in Daryl Morey's ability to do the right deal and fix this team in the offseason? Yeah, I think he he has the track record to do it. Um, And... It's not what Sixers fans want to hear, but they weren't too far away from the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think even if you've been watching these Eastern Conference Finals, it probably stings because you figure the Sixers, if they were on their A game, uh, are capable uh, are capable of beating either of these teams. So, uh. no, Daryl Morey has an impressive, impressive track record. And I think uh, Sixers fans should feel good that he's the one in the seat uh, making these decisions. Um, yeah, Tony Bradley uh, probably would have been useful for the Sixers. I, I think George Hill at least initially made sense as yeah. a veteran presence, right? Uh, a high-level defender who you can use late in games, someone who can knock down shots, but it was obvious that the thumb injury was lingering and um, mm. kind of impacted his level of effectiveness and he Most wasn't definitely. quite the players the sixer player the sixers hoped they were getting and then you also had a situation where hill at like six three six four is trying to guard the six ten danilo gallinari so that yeah. doesn't look great for the sixers front office and maury just the fact that the team was so lacking in front court depth both at the four and at the five so, spots yeah. that that was necessary yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's definitely fair to be critical of Maury's work at the trade deadline in retrospect. Yeah, it, um, it's, but- my gripe is just with the trade deadline, not with prior moves or what's on his resume. I maintain that he failed us at the yeah. trade deadline. Yeah, fair fair enough. Um, I mean, yeah, George Hill is a player I've always liked, just the steadiness and the well-roundedness and the playoff experience but did not pan out and tony bradley was playing great basketball he had that awesome game in golden state where he was starting in Embiid's place uh, with Embiid sidelined by injury and 
I think just relying on Dwight Howard and putting Doc Rivers in a position where he felt that was necessary cost the Sixers in a big way. Now, to be fair, at least from my perspective, I thought it was on Doc Rivers that he wasn't willing to experiment more with non-Dwight Howard center options, whether that's using uh, Ben Simmons at the five or, or just playing lineups without a conventional center. I think it was disappointing that they didn't try to dip into that um, into that option a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the lack of front court depth, absolutely a problem for the Sixers. And um, you figure that that will be something that Maury tries to solve in the offseason. I think he has to. Absolutely. So yep. quick rapid fire for you, Noah. Three Sixers rapid fire questions. Number one, the Sixers will win a championship with Joel Embiid. True or false? Ooh. Mm. Toughy, toughy. Um, I, know. I, I like it. I like that you're thinking hard about it. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll say true. I mean, it's a huge toss up okay. um, just because of Embiid's health. Um, exactly. And yeah. This offseason, he, or this past offseason, I think you have to give him a lot of credit for investing in a nutritionist and conditioning himself very well for the rigors of an NBA season and just ensuring that he controlled all the factors, you know, within his power. And then he suffers uh, an unfortunate injury during the playoffs that affected his performance. And uh, you have to figure that that could happen again down the line. But I do think there's reasons for optimism there just in terms of the fact that he has now ascended to, you know, one of the most talented players in the world. And he's still 27 years old. He hasn't been playing basketball for that long. True. And he's motivated to take the Sixers over the top. Uh, A lot of the questions I think there obviously just revolve around can they get him good enough players as a supporting cast? Yeah, that's Um, been the issue. Mm Mm-hmm. That's kind of another toss-up that's hard to discern right now, but I'll say they I'll say they get it done. I, I agree with you. I think that Joe's going to hoist the trophy. Tech, what do you think? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> All right, here you go. Number two, Ben Simmons has played his last game as a 76er. Yes or no? I'd probably lean toward yes on that one. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's I don't think it's decided by any means. I think. Maury likes winning trades and if there's not a Simmons trade out there where he feels the Sixers are getting the better end of the deal it's unlikely that he'll accept it Um, but I think at the same time uh, there's an understanding that uh, the Sixers should be willing to explore other core options and I'd imagine um, that that continues to be a very prominent storyline this offseason I I think the narrative perhaps that Embiid and Simmons is an incompatible duo. I don't personally buy that. I think with the exception of last year where Al Horford was a huge negative factor for that pairing, they've Mm. actually been very good on the court together. Uh, But Simmons in half-court offense in playoff games uh, has hurt the Sixers. It's a problem, Um, And that's just the reality of the situation. So... Um, yeah, not decided by any means, but if I had to go one way or the other, I'll say that uh, he is, in fact, done as a sixer. 
Yeah, I tend to lean that way yep. too. Um, unfortunately, because when you know when he was drafted, we were as excited as we were when we drafted Carson Wentz. Oh yeah, you know it was similar. Um, all right, last rapid fire: Tyrese Maxey will make an All Star game as a 76er. Yes or no? Mm. I'll go no. I like Maxey. I like yep. Maxey like a lot. I agree. I think he's a part of the rotation next year. I certainly, if Ben Simmons is on the move, there could be a route to Maxi being a regular, semi-regular starter for the Sixers. I think you saw this year, he loves big moments. He prepares exceptionally well and is very mature for a 20-year-old kid. Uh, So there's a lot of promise there with him. Um, as far as becoming an all-star, that's that's a high bar to clear. Like even Tobias Harris has not been an all-star, and I think most folks would agree that he's a very, very good NBA player. Yes. Uh, I yes. think with Maxi, the jump shot remains a lingering question. He was at 30.1% this year, which was a little better than his lone college season. I don't see anything dramatically wrong with his form. I think he shoots it with a lot of confidence. He shoots free throws well. So there's some reasons for optimism that Mm -hmm. I think his three point mark will improve, but I'm not sure I ever envisioned him becoming like a great or well above average shooter. And perhaps that limits his potential just a tad. Um, So I'll, I'll say no, but if he becomes an all-star player, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, fair. That's a fair assessment. Uh, for our listeners, we've been on the line with Noah Levick of NBC Sports Philadelphia. Noah, before we let you go, give us a veteran stadium memory that stands out to you. Yeah, um, for me, watching watching Jim Tomey at the vet, I mm. believe, was in the, the three or 400 level, um, a game against the A's, I think it was, and just... As a as an eight or nine year old kid, seeing him hit one into like the five hundred level, you yeah, know, yeah, you know, as I don't I don't know how far it was, but as a kid, it must it seemed like it must have been five hundred fifty feet. Uh, <laughs> just something, just something about that, like you know, anything can happen, and they've got this like heroic guy who's capable of these like superhuman feats. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then they moved into CBP when. When I was 10 years old, and I have some some good memories there of, you know, the contending years. Yeah, for sure. The core of Rollins and Utley and all that. So And Utley, Utley have, debuted at the vet. Yeah. Utley yeah, debuted at the vet, yeah. So, yeah, the vet, I mean, you know, it's not like I got to watch a lot of great teams there, um, but I remember <laughs> Tommy there. Uh, there was something special about him. There's always, like, the anticipation, like, is he kind of – hit a dinger as he kind of hit a big one and then um, actually getting to watch him do it in person and just the sound off the bat and you know watching the ball soar up you know near the 700 level I remember that being uh, very cool and something that stuck with me yeah That's man awesome. Tommy was great for sure and you're right though at the vet unfortunately after the early 80s championship teams there really wasn't much besides 93 that's it um which was a group of misfits that had no business being there but favorite team um, of all time oh yeah easily uh besides 08 that is yeah Um, yeah yeah well Noah, we really appreciate you taking the time to diagnose what happened with the sixers um and we hope to speak with you again as we um head into next season yeah sure thing thanks so much guys Vet alumni. And now, it's the Vet Line. Why don't you answer your phone? We're joined now on the Vet Line by Matt O'Donnell, Action News AM anchor. Matt, thanks for joining us today. 
Oh, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Good to good to finally meet you guys, even though on on the line here. Absolutely, man. Yes, we sir. feel the same. Um, you know, we all saw the Sixers again go down in second round flames. This time at home in a game seven, which has happened historically in the past. But from your perspective, Matt, what was the primary cause of the early exit, and what do you want to see them do in the off season? Mm. So you start out with the easy questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do uh, it. I mean, I've ne- I've never been a, a GM in the NBA, and I'm probably not qualified to ever be one in the f- near future. But I mean, if if you're interested in hearing what I have to say, I, I guess like the the one person everyone's talking about obviously is Ben Simmons, and. Uh, I, I really think that they should keep him and that they will keep him. Um, hmm. I know that his performance in that last series was just stunningly awful and, and really just he turtled in all the wrong moments. Um, but you're looking at a player who, I mean, obviously they've invested a lot of um and by the way, I'm not I'm not blaming everything on Ben Simmons sure. by just making my first comment. Yeah. It's it's always a team effort. Um, but yeah, he's he's truly one of the most athletic, uh, tall, athletic players in the league. He is one of the best defenders in the league, and. From what I understand, he is a good shooter. He just can't do it in front of people. <laughs> so right, right. I, I think that they are going to try and work that out. I mean, if they're blown away by, you know, getting a, a really good player in a trade that they're not going to have to give up, say, you know, a, a first-round draft pick or a high uh, draft pick, uh, then they'll do it. But I really think that they're, they're going to have to keep and They will. They'll, they'll work. I mean, you know, when you, when you see kids playing basketball, and they, and they practice. What does the coach do? They line up everyone on the foul line. They make a, each kid shoot so that they get used to shooting the free throws in front of other people. Yes. It's really that simple. I mean, they need. I don't know if they need to bring him to some other country and hide him in a in a stadium and bring ten thousand people <laughs> there and just make him shoot fifty thousand free throws uh, all in in order uh, to get him out of this. But I think they can do it. Um, I, I I think that. The, the coach, uh, Doc Rivers, did a fabulous job. He really raised the, the this team's level of play. I know it, it all fell apart in the end, uh, but I like what he did with the team. Uh, I think Joel Embiid is one of the top players in the league, but I think that's more of my worries. Not Ben Simmons shooting is um, Joel Embiid's uh, injury history and how long is this person going to last? Because as you guys know, you know, really big men, you know, seven feet and above. Yeah. have a bad history in longevity in the NBA. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that, that's my concern with Joe is that we might only have, say, three more years um, oh. of him playing at this type of level. And I agree with you. I think Doc Rivers is an upgrade from Brett Brown, although I think that Brett Brown might be laughing somewhere in an Australian <laughs> basement. <laughs> and Sam Hinkie. <laughs> and, and Sam Hinkie should have been the bell ringer for Game 7, in my opinion. Um, you know what? Wouldn't that be funny if they actually did do that? I, I think I think the fans would have absolutely loved it. Uh, yeah. You know, with the whole process being, I mean, really, when you think about it, what, five, six, almost seven years all together in, um, would you say that it was a failure to this point, or would you say that— Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, two years ago, they made it, you know, further in uh, in the playoffs, right? 
Well, the same spot, but against a better team that won the championship. Sure, but yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So essentially, you're right. Yeah, they yeah, haven't yeah. moved. Yeah, it's a failure when you are the number one seed in any sport yep. and you don't make it to the conference championship because that's the expectation. And so, yes, I mean, they were just a phenomenal team, even with all the games that Joel Embiid missed throughout the regular season and the fact that he was on one leg for the whole playoff. I know, and, you know yeah. Th- th- that guy's got a lot of heart. Yeah, you know, to do that kind of stuff, it has to be painful. Oh, you yeah. can give a person all the drugs you want. Um, it, it is painful to, to run around on one of those things. So, but yeah, it, it is a failure. And you know, I think that they have the right GM too to try and fix these things. And, and from what he said, uh, he's he's not panicking like we always do <laughs> whenever you know we see a collapse like this. So I'm still I'm still bullish on the Sixers, and maybe people are going to laugh at me when they hear that, but that's just what, the way I feel. That's nothing wrong with that. That's uh, it's true because you know there's a lot there with the squad. I mean, there's a strong foundation for Daryl Morey to build on for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, going back to Ben Simmons, uh, the fans have been critical. Uh, Dan Lebetard, formerly of ESPN recently called our fan base mean and cruel. Now, Matt, you're a face and voice of the city. You speak directly to the people of Philadelphia on a daily basis. Uh, is Dan Lebetard right? Are, are we mean and cruel as a fan base? No. I, and I'm being <laughs> totally serious. Right. If that, that stupid Santa Claus thing never happened, we would right. have never gotten this reputation because uh. it's so easy for people who don't live around here to just go, oh, they, they went and boot Santa Claus, even though if you go down and, and uh, I can't remember who did the, the recent book on it. He really did deserve to be booed. It was a bad Santa Claus. Apparently, he was he was not, you know, lucid or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Philadelphia fans are, are smart. Uh, and they know the game, and they have expectations for people to play the game right. You don't have to be a superstar to be able to do that. You just have to be focused and go out there and give it your best. And they can tell when that doesn't happen, and that's why people get mad around here. I got booed in Philadelphia one time. You want me to tell you the story? What sure. All right, so, so you know, Mike Schmidt, Kobe Bryant, Matt O'Donnell, all have been booed in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, now, I'm not comparing them uh, to me in terms of other things, but we're all the same in that. So it was a a charity uh, basketball game at uh, the Wells Fargo Center. in During halftime at a Sixers game, this is Allen Iverson era. They're playing really well. They're, everyone's there, right? And so during halftime, like people kind of do hang around. So it probably it was like still three quarters full. And we had this game against, I don't know, some youth team. And it was a bunch of media people who, you know, can't play basketball. And I was, I found myself on the court and I was all alone underneath the basket. I don't know who <laughs> passed it to me, but they did. I was literally right beneath the basket. I <laughs> threw it up. It bounced twice off the rim and then walked off to a, the opponent's hands. And everyone started booing me. And I looked over <laughs> at the coach who I believe was, uh, it might have been Leslie Goodell. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was someone, you know, in, in media. And she just goes, Matt? 
you're out of there. And took me, <laughs> put me on the bench. <laughs> and that's you know a what? It was one. the greatest feeling. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one, man. Wow. Yeah, we're just passionate as a fan base. Yes. I think. I think. I think we get a very tough break nationally. Oh, we yeah. do. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I'm not going to name any names, but. Boston's much worse. Yeah, it really is. It, and I, it truly is. And I've been there and firsthand can attest to that. Um, it's just true. With the, the attitude is a little, it's a little more edgy, if that's possible, than, than Philly fans sure. from and, what I've experienced. Um, I could probably name four or five other cities. Um, my son plays baseball, college baseball. Oh, and nice. he, he goes to games. He'll be out there in the field. The, the students... We'll look up all the players and go through their social media feeds, find out who their girlfriends are, what they do, where they're from, and use that as material to heckle them. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> so, like next you know, level. That's next level. So, you know, hey, maybe college baseball is worse than anything else. It, it's just, you know, I just, like you guys, I cannot stand it. When people complain about Philadelphia and, and our boorish, uh, boorish habit attitudes, um, see, I can't even talk. I'm getting so banged up about <laughs> it's it. Right. It's, 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 it's I'm so fed up with it. It needs to stop. And people just need to realize that we know the game and we have expectations. That t- and one more thing, and I'm, I'm not going to be mad about this anymore, is when when players pass the test, the Philadelphia test, we love them forever. That's right. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, Switching gears to the Phillies, uh, they've now blown 21 saves on the season. Matt, I know you're not a major league GM, but if you were, how would you fix this team? I have no idea. (laughs) I I really, I don't understand why the the defensive lapses are happening because, you know, there's there's some veterans on this team and... I feel like you know Bryce Harper, uh, JT Romuto, and even Rice Hoskins, who have, has you know suffered some of these defensive lapses, and and Aaron Nola and, and Zach Wheeler. These are guys that are are veterans in this league who are older, and I don't know why that core isn't able to sort of coalesce these guys and. You know, it'd be like, listen, go out there and, and have focus for nine innings and, and just make plays. That's all we you – know, just do that. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be superstars. And, I don't know, they've had a million injuries, and they're, they're, they've gone through the whole minor league system trying to find players who can be, like, everyday players because it's so desperate. And, and of course, they're not going to find them because, you know, these are untested kids. And I, I wouldn't even name any of these kids because, you know, I feel bad for them being put in positions that they shouldn't be put in. But it's it's a truly a mess, and, and the the worst part about it is that you know I I kind of think that this rotation is is one of their better rotations recently, and in the beginning of the year we're like oh wow the bullpen's solved everything's good now and right. then look it's like actually worse than it was last year. It's right. completely hard to comprehend um, because they're performing almost identical to the past few. Phillies teams. Yeah. You know, when you look at the the record, especially right out the gate, um, and you know, the weekend series against the Mets, that's a series they should have won all four games. Had to win. It was pivotal. It was. It would have had us yeah, one they, game they back. They picked up so much ground uh, by doing that, and instead they're just at the same spot. And I don't know if they need to have one of those, like, Billy Bean incidents where he comes in with a baseball bat and just whacks at the, <laughs> a trash can for a couple of minutes and, and gets people scared, like, you know, 
I don't know. It, 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 I'd hate to be pessimistic about the Phillies, but I just, I just don't see many good things right now. No. Neither do we. Now, on the carousel of Philadelphia teams, quickly onto the Eagles. Training camp is approaching. What's your level of excitement for the reconfigured team? I'm excited to see what they're going to do because we have, you know, we have a whole reset of thinking here. We have a new coach. He's going to have a new staff. Yep. Uh, as far as anyone knows, Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback. I know some person picked him as the 40th best in the league, which is a massive insult. Yeah, we're not going like, to name what, him. He's not even on the top 40 list. We're not, we're not going to name him. He's, that, that man that did that list has a third-round draftee on the list. So, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, what? And he's also, his, his dad you know, used to play for a team that we don't like either. Right, that's true. Correct. Right. Yes, yes, yeah. you, you are correct about that. That is the same, yeah. same man. That, I mean, you know, D- D- Devontae Smith, uh, is going to be an exciting player. He you know, is. I'm excited oh, yeah. to see what he can do. Um, you know, let's give this coach a shot. I, I know he's young. I know people, you know, don't like you know his news conferences, which you know I don't think anyone liked Andy Reid's news conferences either because they were so boring. Got to do a better job. Got to do a better job. Got to do a better job. We start start with injuries. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like I, I, I mean, it's it's a football town. You guys it know is. that. It, yeah. it, it doesn't matter if they really stink. You know, people are going to be interested in what's going on with the Eagles. But I, 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 I'm not going to make any predictions on, like, you know, what they might. Um, I, I think I'll make this prediction about the Eagles. Yeah. They will play 17 regular season games for the first time in their history. That's actually oh, wow. probably going to happen. <laughs> yeah. That's probably. That's probably yes. That's, so, Matt, you know from our tagline, we are music producers talking Philly sports. I know you're sure. also a drummer. So how long have you been playing and what's your favorite tune to jam to? Uh, I've been playing like really off and on since I was probably 10 or 11. I started uh, playing in a band in high school. And then I played in the band, like the, the orchestra band yeah. in high school. Yeah. And I, I'm very lightly trained. I'm mostly self-taught, which means I have poor fundamentals. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of like I know you guys are into hip hop. I'm more of like a metal drummer. Nice, which all means good. Both of my feet are moving a lot. Ah, uh, yes, yes. With my hands. Double, double kick double pedals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I love rolling the double bass. And my favorite song to jam, I I'll, I do it a lot to like warm up if I like have a gig or something, is um, the the Foo Fighters song Everlong. Oh yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a phenomenal that song. band. Great it's a, song. It's a it's a, a very athletic song to play. Um, your hands and feet are moving at all times, and I actually kind of do so a, a few variations on it. But it's just a it's a dynamite song for the drums. Well, yeah, because Dave Grohl, one of the best drummers of all time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and you know he's like an, a. I don't know if he's from another planet or something. How, <laughs> yeah. how can he be so good at the drums and then be, you know. Above average rhythm guitarist and be a, a, a hugely successful songwriter too. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's that's he's he's, he's, a, he's a triple threat. He's tremendous. Uh, it just to, if you want to dive deeper in Dave Grohl, you have to listen to his album he released called Probot. Okay. Okay. Wow. It's, it, it, he did the entire album by uh, on his own, and he wrote metal songs envisioning a metal singer to sing on all of them. And all the metal singers agreed to sing on these songs. Oh, wow. So the real so, yeah. guy, like, sang, so look up Probot and listen to it. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. But again, it's 
like it's not like great Sunday morning drive music <laughs> with the top down. It's aggressive. Yeah, it's it's very uh, it's very creative though, um, and only someone like Dave Grohl could pull that off. You yeah, know, most likely. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really think he's a genius. There, there are there are yep. people out there who can do all of it, and he's definitely one of them. For sure, for sure. Uh, for our listeners who've been on the line with Matt O'Donnell, Action News AM anchor. Matt, before we let you go, the Veteran Stadium, how we based the show off the vet. Oh, what's yeah. a vet memory you got for us? So I was there for the last football game. I know that the Phillies were the last to actually play at the vet. Yeah. I was at the last Eagles game. And it started off so good. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was the <laughs> NFC Championship game uh, in, like, 2003, Tampa yep. Bay Buccaneers. And, like, I was supposed to go to the Super Bowl. The Eagles won. And everyone picked the Eagles to win because, I don't know if you remember, but at that point, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their opponent, couldn't win games for whatever reason if they if the game time temperature was below 40 degrees. Right. <laughs> that day, it was, like, 20. And with all the concrete that – you know, compose the vet, it would like radiate in reverse the coldness. And I remember I had like two pairs of socks on and some boots and it's still like my feet were completely frozen. <laughs> and I think like Brian Mitchell run the ran the kickoff like all the way down to the twenty or something and maybe it was Deuce Staley punched Deuce it scored in. the yub he punched it in, yeah. Yes, yeah. And and so and that was the loudest I'd ever heard a stadium while I was in it, like anywhere. Like the place went were you guys there by any chance? I was watching. Yeah, I was watching, watching. Okay. for sure. Okay. So the the place goes bananas and little did anyone know that was the last good thing the Eagles would do. I know. <laughs> I know. The entire game. Donovan McNabb's throwing back down on people's feet and yeah. his interceptions and, and the Buccaneers just played a better game and I just remember like I'm like, I'm supposed to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, so depressing. So and everyone's emptying out, and they're playing the, the music, you know, the soft music, so people, you know, a riot doesn't start. <laughs> and uh, I just was like, why does this have to be the last game at Veterans Stadium for football? Yeah. This yeah, man, that's a tough one. I was a sophomore at the University of Pittsburgh, and I remember watching that uh, and just being so deflated. And when you go to school in Pittsburgh and you're a Philly guy, you are immediately yeah. the enemy as soon as you go out there because Steelers <laughs> fans hate Eagles fans. Well, I don't know why. They We're not in the like same a, division. It doesn't not make even any the same yeah. conference. That was a well, tough, that was a tough day. It's probably because of the number of Super Bowls they've won. Yeah. Uh, just to give you like an analogy, I, I, my best friend is a Montreal Canadiens fan. He's from Montreal, and he used to do this to me. He'd be like, hey, uh, let me go into the uh, Stanley Cup closet for the Flyers. Hello, 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 hello. Okay, wait, wait. Let me go to the Canadian's closet. Open the door. Oh, yeah, right. They're falling out. <laughs> falling all over the place. Yeah, so. Well, uh, the Canadians are down 1-0 right now to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who look like they're going to win that series yeah. in four or five games. But Tampa's we, winning everything. I, I was know. just thinking about that this morning. You got the Super Bowl title. You're the defending American League champions. And now you're looking like you're going to win the cup. I mean, that is just remarkable. Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah, there you go, it, Tampa Bay. It's too hot in the summer. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that's humid. That's ridiculous. Oh. You ever been in Florida in the summer? Oh, yeah. yeah it's, you can't Brutal. breathe. You can't breathe. <laughs> 
can't breathe. You literally cannot do anything outside. No. Unreal. Well, Matt, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk sports with us, right. uh, music, and vet memories, um, and uh, we hope to have you on again in the future, man. Hey, it is my pleasure, and long live Prem and Tech. Vet alumni. And now, it's the Vet Line. Answer the damn phone. We're joined now on the Vet Line by Matt Mullen, covers the Sixers and the Eagles for Philly Voice. Matt, thanks for joining us today. For sure. And I, I must add, I must add for our listeners that Matt is already a Vet Alumni member. This is his second appearance on the show. Yes, sir. Which is a very, very specific company to be in at this point. I think Rob Motti was on twice, Tom Kelly and Vince Quinn. So you join a nice group of individuals, yeah. my friend. Ooh, I'm, I'm honored and I like all those guys. So that's a, that's good company to be a part of. Absolutely. Absolutely. So diving right into it, going to go birds first. Uh, training camp is coming up. We're pretty excited. I, I'm I have a quiet confidence about Jalen Hurts, but what are your storylines to watch uh, as we approach He camp? wasn't even listed in the top 40. Ah, oh, it's ridiculous. Just real quick on that top 40 thing. I think <laughs> it's I think it's it's ridiculous yeah. to have six or seven, however many guys who have never played, including a third round guy. Kellen Mond? Like, yeah, that, I mean, if you're going to put a couple guys who, you know, you can quibble with whether they're better or whatever, but like guys who haven't even played yet, I mean... All right. So that aside, storylines for this year. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, the big one's going to be Sirianni, one. Absolutely. And, and two is going to be Jalen Hurts. And I think combined, there's going to be a what kind of impact does Sirianni have on Hurts? Because that's also going to inform you moving forward whether or not you decide to keep Jalen Hurts. You're going to get a look at what this coaching staff looks like developing quarterbacks, which in the NFL is probably, you know, one of the biggest jobs of a head coach, especially an offensive minded head coach. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, I think those are the big things um, during the season, obviously, you know, we'll want to see what uh, Gannon's defensive scheme looks like. He's been saying all off season, you know, I'm not, I don't have a specific scheme one way or the other. I like to see what the offense is doing and kind of react, which, I think is a better way to go about things. Um, but it's tougher to build the right guys if you're always changing kind of, you know, what your philosophy is on a week to week, month to month, even season to season basis. Um, so I think yeah. there's some of that. And then between now and when camp starts, obviously I think the big thing is, is Zach Ertz and if they're going to wind up bringing in another cornerback. The corner question for me, I've been hearing grumblings about, this kind of leads me to my second question, uh, grumblings about, you know, Zach McPherson having a good chance to start opposite Slay. Who would be your draftee between rounds four and seven to watch? I think he's a great one, especially given the the need that you have. And yeah. you're right, I've, I've actually been reading stuff. I wasn't down at... Um, at the at the mini camps or anything and plus it's so hard to tell from those because you only yeah. really get um mm-hmm. what you, you only get the first 20 30 minutes oh wow and then they what so they have the media there you guys are allowed to be on the side kind of observing for 20 30 minutes then they kick you out you can see basically like the stretches and the warm-ups and then like individual drills but as soon as they start getting into any team um any real like you know some of the seven on seven stuff depending on what they're doing yeah you might get you might get some of that but normally you just get to see you know guys running drills you know one-on-one stuff on the right. side um you don't get to see any of that so it's hard to really get a get a feel for 
you know, who is going to be the guy. So I think, I think McPherson is definitely a guy to watch because you look at the Eagles this year, you know, they're not going to win the, the Super Bowl. I mean, as much as Eagles, as much as Eagles fans <laughs> want to think that their team is the best, like, I, got, I don't know, man. I got them 17 and 0. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And then what's going to happen when they lose in the uh, in the divisional round? No, right, I'm just right, kidding. Um, right, right, right. No, but like they're, you know, they're, this is going to be more of a of a feeling out period. So I want and I hope Sirianni, and it seems like he's a guy who doesn't have guys penciled in and likes to keep things open. He, you know, yes. has said the word competition a million times. So maybe he will let some of the rookies get some serious run this year. Um, so McPherson's a guy, and I think the other guy from those mid-round picks you said, like third, fourth. I mean, the defensive tackle they got, uh, William Milton Williams, yeah, looks like a like, like a freak, like a physical. Just wow. that's good to hear. That's um, good to hear because we were upset about the pick initially. I think a lot of people were initially. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at his like measurables. It's like his size and stuff is all small, and all of the stuff they're measuring, like all the drills, are just like full. Wow. Um, wow. If you look at his spider chart. And then uh, the running back, I mean, uh, offensive players are always going to be more Kenny exciting. Gainwell. The, the, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he's got the name. He's got a great name for a running back. For sure. And um, <laughs> the Eagles behind Miles Sanders, they have, you know, some veterans that they, you know, um, some guys they brought in to give shots to. And then they have Boston mm-hmm. Scott. Mm-hmm. But I could see him getting... If he can protect the ball, that's the biggest thing, right? With any young running back. Yeah. If you can hold on and protect the ball, you're going to get your chances. So if he can hold on to the ball, I think he could get some touches this year. Matt, you mentioned Zach Ertz. Uh, He's still here. Uh, What's going to happen with him now that we're only a month away from camp? Ruben Frank wrote something about this today, and someone else wrote something about it, that maybe it's, uh, I think it was Nick Fierro. I think it's, you know, it's getting time to where they might just have to release him. They might oh, have to. If, that's terrible. If yeah. Which, yes, it is, but it depends. If there's a reason they're doing that, if they're doing it to use money, to get money to go sign someone. That's true. Or something like that maybe it's a little easier to swallow uh but yeah if they're literally just doing it just to do it uh, yeah obviously with a guy like earth that's going to be that's going to be tough for the fans um you know he's he's a guy who i think people really latched onto in the city especially because he he had a like people forget now he had a slow start to his career i remember the first three four years of his career every year there was like a running joke during training camp is this going to be the year zach Ertz breaks out and it was like every year every year every year and then he became a guy every you know top three tight end in the nfl for for several several years um yeah it's going to be tough to lose him like that but they do have a really good tight end behind him so it's true. It's going to be more of a sentimental loss than one you're going to feel on the field. I think. Good point. That's a good point, Matt. I, I know you also cover the Sixers, so so let's transition to them quickly. Uh, sure. A massive disappointment. One of the worst series losses. I, I mean, I can remember in Philadelphia sports history. At least top two in my mind, ranked right under the '93 Phillies. Uh, will Ben Simmons be a Sixer next season? And if not, what kind of deal do you see getting done? Um, I think in the in the moments right after the season ended, I was with everyone else. And I was like, there is no way they can bring this guy back next year. Have to mm. move on from him. Um, now I'm wondering if they think that, you know, they can try to fix him or they don't want to trade him because they're worried that the value that they're going to get back right now is going to be 
far too low because mm-hmm. he just kind of screwed. He just kind of screwed them over Ugh. by playing so poorly. Yeah. Um, wow. So I, they could. I mean, Maury isn't dumb. Like at least I feel better with a guy like him running the front office. No offense to Elton Brand. Yeah, me too. Me I just, too. I just think he wasn't quite ready yet. I think he can benefit from having four or five years under Daryl Morey and then he'd be ready to be um, the GM. But I just feel, I, I feel more confident with, uh, well, I mean, Elton Brand is the GM, but I mean a GM without a president of basketball operations over him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Ben Simmons, I hope they, I hope they move on. I think I'm at the point where I still want them to move on. Yeah, we and feel the same. Do, but it's going to be, you know, and I think this is the case for a lot of Sixers fans. It's going to come down to what they get back. Yeah. If they don't get a guy, like, getting back picks, getting back a guy with potential, you know, that none of that really does anything for me. Because you yeah. have a guy like Joel Embiid who his window is limited. I mean, he's he's just not going to be – he's going to age very quickly, you know, Bodies that big don't age well. He has an injury history. He yeah. struggled to make it through every regular season, even with rests. Um, so I think you have to bring in a guy like that's why if they can bring in a like a Lillard. Obviously, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, he's you, the number one. Target. Oh yeah, you, you you throw in Thibel, you throw in Maxi, you throw in whoever. To uh, get exactly, that. exactly. Um, I, you know. I, as much as I love the potential of these guys, what if they don't reach their potential until, you know, Embiid's gone or is a shell of what he is now? Very true. was it? You have to stack these stars and have them all together at the same time. That's the, that's um, the so new basketball era. That's how these teams are winning championships. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. This year, it might be a little different, but this year, I mean, this year is crazy because everyone's getting hurt. It was a weird year. Um... But you still, I mean, even you know, if the if the Clippers wind up winning, it's you know, sure it's Paul George, but they got through the regular season. They were a team of super, you know, they had him and Kawhi. So, you know, you have to have multiple guys, and Embiid isn't going to as good as he is. He's not going to be able to to do it by himself. So you need to bring in another star and maximize his window. You have a you know a championship winning coach. You have a highly respected head of your front office. You have an MVP runner up build around this guy win in the next three years that should be your goal yeah that should be i think his window is probably three years like you said i mean he's almost he's gonna be 30 years old at that point they're about to sign him to the supermax um so you know that means i think i was looking the other day that means in his years 32 and 33 season he's going to be making like an average of 50 million a season so (laughs) wow yeah, it's, yeah, but they, they have no other choice but to sign that, you know? Right. And it's not enough to kick this fan base while it's down. Uh, we all are collectively mourning the retirement announcement of uh, Mark Zumoff, uh, the great Mark Zumoff. Matt, what did he mean to you? What did, what did Zoom mean to you? We are spoiled as uh, as Philly sports fans yeah. with the announcers that we've had, especially guys, you know, my age, probably you guys are probably around the same age as me. You know, we've had Harry Callis, Merrill yeah. Reese, um, <laughs> the best. Zoo, Jim Jackson, mm. Tom McGinnis, Fransky in L.A. Like it, the, the list goes on. It I mean, really they're, does. They're it's the best of the even, best. 
and even like Tom McCarthy gets cracked. Tom's really good. No, oh, he's, he's fantastic. Really good. Him and Crook um, are fantastic. Yeah, John Crook yeah. is actually way better than I thought he would be before I ever heard They're him. They're the best thing about the Phillies game that the team stinks. It's all about the the, the announcement team. <laughs> the it's team all about is that. Bad. Crook. Right, right. And so I think someone brought this up today, and I think this is a really great point. Zoo, he was always great. You know, it's easy to be a great announcer and broadcaster when teams are winning and when teams are doing well. And, you know, he had Iverson and that whole era early on. And now he yeah. has, you know, Embiid and stuff. But what he did during the process years where they were just awful. I know. But he was great. He was great and gave it his all night in and night out. Because I was going back and looking through some of the clips today of, of some of his greatest calls and stuff like that. And was it was like Spencer Hawes. Yeah. And, and all the and I'm like, and Isaiah Cannon. Evan and Turner. Like, yeah. And, and I'm just thinking like, look at how nuts he is going and how much he is showing out for like guys who, you know, there's a week left in the season and they have 10 wins and he's going yeah. nuts for, for a basket. Um, so that I think kind of shows you uh, just what kind of profession, like professional he is. And then just, he's just such like, I've met him, I think, once, and he was the nicest guy ever. And everyone I know who is on that beat, who is down there all the time, has nothing but glowing things to say about him. And so I think he's, you know, proof that you can be a larger-than-life figure like that and also just be a good down-to-earth guy. And I think the work he put in during the process was probably won't go down as, you know, you know his highlight. Because you always think of the Embiid games in the playoffs, the Iverson playoff games that oh, yeah. run in 01. Oh, yeah. But yep. You're not thinking about those 10 and, and 72 Sixers, but damn it, he showed up every night. He so. did. He did. He's excited for everything, and we're yeah, definitely going to miss missed. hearing him. He, oh. will, he will be Legend. Missed. I don't. I, I can't imagine watching the game without him. Tough shoes to fill. So, Matt, when do you start? When do you start the play-by-play uh, for the Sixers? Hey, well, yeah, right. Yeah, I, come on. Are you listening to my voice right now? This is not a broadcasting voice. <laughs> I, I feel the same about my voice. The but voice of a writer. Goddamn. That's right. That's right. Well, Matt, I we... Have uh, face, I have a face for, for radio and a voice for print, so... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's perfect. I love it. That's perfect. Matt, thanks again for joining us, man. We always appreciate catching up with you, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up again when the Eagles are 10-4. Uh, and 4. Oh. <laughs> I thought... Uh... I thought Ford may be 14 and 0 by that point. Yeah. yeah may, maybe. I go back and forth. I go back and forth. <laughs> you know, Devontae Smith, I'm um, thinking 25 touchdowns, but, you know, I might have to curb that a little bit. A little, little bit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm, I'll be more than happy to come back whenever. It's time for Prim's Picks. These games are a blowout, a human lock. You can bet your children's unborn children on these games! Prims, MLB picks. Prim, you're on fire. Well, Tech, I am officially on fire with three straight undefeated weeks picking Major League Baseball winners. Yeah. The Rays quadrupled the Red Sox 8-2. to two. Yes, they did. And the Blue Jays handled Biz and Miami 3-1, to one, which was actually closer than I thought that would be. <laughs> so my mark stands at 9-3 and three through six weeks. That's good. It's, I'm on pace with my basketball mark. Oh, there it is. Here are this week's locks. Locks. Tech, give me the 32-47 and 47 Rockies at home with John Gray on the mound to beat the visiting Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay, Pittsburgh stinks. They do. This is a matchup of two poor teams overall, 
But yeah, I think Colorado the Rockies, stinks too. They do. I think they're going to blow the doors off the Pirates at home, though. Wow. In spite of their poor mark, the Rockies have the ninth best batting average in the majors as a team, which is kind of surprising. <laughs> the pitching has just been atrocious. Uh, but the Pirates have the 30th ranked slugging percentage, their 30th in home runs, and they don't pitch any better than the Rockies do. Right. Rockies at home, lock. Lock. Give me the Angels on the road in the Bronx to beat the Yanks today. The Yankees have underperformed and have to face the Phenom and the MVP frontrunner, Shohei Otani, on the mound for the Angels. He boasted 2.58 ERA and is clearly the frontrunner for the MVP with 25 home runs as well. This could be a tight one, but I like the Angels to go west to east and handle business. They climb closer to 500. They've been kind of hot lately. Wow. The Yankees have lost four straight. And Domingo Germain and his 4.32 ERA will be on the mound. Let me just ask you a quick: Have yeah. you ever seen anything like Otani? I have never seen anything like that. I don't I've think never since, seen anything since like Babe him. Ruth. Yeah, I mean, Babe Ruth was a pitcher. Yeah, but we weren't alive for that in our lifetimes. Have, 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 you've never seen anything like that. It doesn't I've never exist. Seen it. it doesn't, it doesn't exist. exist. Uh, Michael Owings is pretty good with the bat. He was a pitcher for the. Uh, um, Diamondbacks for a couple years. Yeah, so you have to explain who he is. I don't know who right. he is. But he did hit, he hit some jacks when he was starting, <laughs> but that's the closest thing I could think of is Micah Owings. Um, wow. It's pretty crazy. I mean, the, the Angels have the fourth best batting average in baseball. Um, I like them to go win in New York today. Lock. Lock. So to recap, we got the Rockies at home to beat the Pirates. Rock. And the Angels on the road in New York to beat the Yankees. Rock. This has been Prem's MLB Picks. And for those who weren't paying attention, once again, our tribute to Mark Zumoff. See you next week. Andre Iguodala. For the time! Yes! <laughs> yes! And a foul! J.J. Redick! Here's Allen for the time! Yes! And he's fouled! that's for three in the lead! Yes! Oh, 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 man! There it is for the time! Yes! Covington for the lead! Iverson for three. Yeah! Oh, he banked it in. Allen Iverson. Turner rolling in. Get in there. Yes! <laughs> Stolen for the win. Yeah! Oh, yes! Reddick, can he get it off? He does for three. Yes! <laughs> Reddick, another three. Jimmy Butler, can he win it here? It is Butler for the win. Yes! Butler buries the three with three tenths of a second to go. Hornets without any timeouts. The prayer from Walker goes unanswered, and the Sixers win it! Wow! Jimmy Butler, you are a 76er. For the lead, yes! And the steal by McConnell, and the Sixers are going to win it! Against Anthony Johnson. Yes! Ho, ho, ho!
Simmons P. Turning garbage into gold. Simmons rolling in. Yes! Iverson behind the back. Bradley who scores for two. Iverson for three. Yes! Iverson touchdown. Wow. He goes. Wow! What a play by Allen. Hang on, Oliver. Coming in for a landing. Vet alumni. Right.